The Monument, Chapter 11 He was not the same person in the morning. I woke up with the sun and had breakfast with Fred and Emma and went with Fred to the elevator to help start up. At 7.20, Python and I left the elevator and walked to Carlson's place where his station wagon was parked. At exactly 8 o'clock, he came out the door with a pad of paper and a small wooden box that I found was a pencil case. He was scrubbed clean, had on fresh baggy canvas pants and a clean white shirt with the sleeves rolled up to the middle of his upper arms. The hair around his bald spot was slicked back with water. His eyes looked clear. Good morning, he said, and then down to Python. And to you, too. How are you both this morning? We're fine. I want to be an artist. It just popped out, and I wish I hadn't said it because it sounded silly. But he said a strange thing. And how could it be any other way? It was almost exactly the same thing Fred had said the night before. Can you teach me? He shook his head. No, not to be an artist. You already are that. I knew you had the hot worm in you when I first saw you walking up to the station wagon. I didn't think you could see much with, of me f from that end. Well, then, they're seeing, he smiled, and they're seeing, isn't there? The point is, I knew it, and there is nothing I, nor you, or for that matter, can do about it. The fact exists, you are an artist. But I don't know anything. Ah, there I can help you. He paused and let gas, just as natural as anything, and rubbed his stomach. I don't think he thought it was crude or even thought of it at all. Maybe nothing was crude to him. She had some strange eggs for breakfast. Reminds me of some I had in India once. They were pickled, but they had the strangest flavor. I didn't say anything. If they hadn't killed him by now, they probably wouldn't. I can teach you something of technique, of line, of color, of art. He stopped at the station wagon and opened the back, put the pad and pencils in the back in a pile of what looked exactly like junk. He closed the rear door and motioned to the door on the passenger side. Get in. Your lesson starts now. Where are we going? Tomorrow night, there's to be a public meeting to make some kind of decision about the monument. I need to know more about your town, my dear, more of what it's like, so that I can decide what kind of monument to do. But isn't that up to them, to the people in the town? I held the door open, and Python climbed into the front seat and sat in the middle. I climbed in and sat in the middle of a junk pile of old cans, bread wrappers, and empty potato chip bags, and some stuff I didn't want to guess about. Python seemed to love it. Don't the people in Bolton get to decide what kind of monument they get? He looked at me, watched my face. You're serious, aren't you? I nodded. It seems like if they're paying for it. There it is, right there. He slammed his hand against the wheel, and I felt Python jump next to me. There's the crux of it, isn't it? All of art comes down to that, right to that. He laughed, but it wasn't a funny laugh more sad one. You have to be, you have to kind of squirm around that point, like a bug on a hot stove looking for a cool place. That's art, that is, right there. He was silent for a moment, which was just as well. The station wagon, once it got moving, sounded like it was going to explode. Things clunked and rattled, and the muffler must have been gone because it was impossible to hear anything but a loud yell, which Mick did now. He leaned across Python close to my ear and yelled, Art's like medicine! People take it because they have to take it, because they think they have to take it, or because you make them think they have to take it. True art, that is. He took a deep breath, yelled again. If we left it up to them, then be, we'd be waist-deep in bleeding pictures of Elvis or Christ on black velvet in no time. He had been driving all the while, and we went past the north edge of town on County Road 1, when we were about a mile out of town, Mick turned the wagon into a driveway and backed out so that he was facing Bolton and cut the engine. It looked peaceful in the morning light. The elevator stood like statues, tall and white, on the right edge of town. The water tower stood on the left side, and the trees hid most of the rest of it. 
You could see white there, and here where a house showed through, and one line of red where Carlson's brick house stood. You can't see people, I said. It was nice with the station wagon engine stopped. I felt like my ears were bleeding. Not a soul. For a start, to know the place, without people. It's about people who are gone, isn't it? What do you mean? The monument, the whole idea of it. It's about dead people, not living ones, isn't it? So we have to see how it looks without people. He sat for a time just looking at the town, and I tried to do it the same way, and even Python seemed to be trying. His big muzzle aimed out over the hood, and he watched the town, but soon became bored, and so did I. What are we looking for? I asked. Nothing. Well, that's what I've been seeing. Keep looking. This is your first lesson. He reached around in back of the seat and found the tablet and pencils he'd thrown in earlier. He handed them to me. What's this? Draw. But I don't know anything about drawing. Draw. What should I draw? Draw. You brought this for me, didn't you? He nodded. But that was before I told you I wanted to be an artist. Another nod. How did you know? It doesn't matter. Open the pencils and draw. I looked down at the pencil box. It felt very old, made of polished wood, so worn the grain seemed to be raised. It had a sliding top, and I slid it back to see eight or ten wooden pencils, all different sizes and lengths. How old is it, the box? When I was a boy, I had it, and it was old then. It doesn't matter. He pointed to the pencils. Some are soft and some are hard. Some can be used for shading. Draw. The town? What you see, draw. So I drew the elevators. They were the biggest thing to see, and they stood up with all sorts of straight lines that were easy to make, except when I was done, it just looked like a bunch of straight lines. See now, see how she does the lines, he said, looking up at the sky. She does the lines so well. But it doesn't look right. It doesn't look like the elevators. See? He took the drawing and used a wide pencil to shade one of the elevator sides to make it look deep, and it just about jumped off the paper. There. I see. Draw. I did some shading and it worked. The elevator grew out from the page, looked closer to what it was, round and full of grain. When I was done, he took the tablet, looked at it for a moment, flipped the page over to show a fresh sheet, and said, draw. I drew four more drawings, the water tower, an overall view trying to show trees which looked like a bunch of blops until he showed me how to use shading, and small lines to make leaves so they look like trees, then one of the edge of the Carlson house, and one of the highway going into town. He nodded his head when I finished each one. You must do this and do this for years. Draw and draw until you think your hands will fall off. Just to know the line, the way the line works. What about color, all the rest of it? It's because you're young, isn't it? The impatience, the small impatiences? He nodded. That's fine, just fine. It's all right to be impatient as long as you keep working. But remember that, to keep working. Work is all there is, all of everything. That's enough from here. I put the pencils back in the box, and he put the pad and pencils in the back of the wagon again. The engine roared again. Where are we going now? I yelled. Graveyard. Oh, good, I said, but he didn't hear me. He seemed to know things, knew just how to drive to the graveyard, which was on the south edge of town, opposite from the way we had been. I don't know about other small towns, but Bolton takes care of its graveyard. I had never been there except to walk past, but the grass is always mowed, and it's always clean and neat. Many of the graves have plastic flowers on them. Mick stopped the wagon by the entrance to the graveyard. Get your pad and pencils. He walked down the small road that led into the graves, and I followed Python at my side. About in the middle of the graveyard, Mick stopped, looked around. The old section. Where's the old section? I didn't know, but after a moment of standing, rubbing his nose, he nodded and walked down a side path to some older-looking headstones. Here. The old ones are the best. 
Best at what? Best to tell us what the town is really like, how the soul is. There, look at the stones, how they're different from the others. And they were. The newer stones were just square blocks with the names carved out, sometimes stacked on another square block. Here in the old part, there were sculpted figures and flowers on one little stone, a lamb lying on his side. See? I couldn't get my eyes off the small stone. Claire Miller, born May 5, 1887, taken October 9, 1890. She bides in heaven at play with angels dear. She was just a baby, I said, three years old. Mick nodded. Draw. Here? What you see, draw. So I drew the headstone, and it was going fine until I started on the little curled-up lamb on top. It was so small and alone. I remember the orphanage and how it had been sometimes alone in the room when I didn't think I would ever get adopted, alone like the little lamb. I wondered how Claire Miller had come to die, and I started to cry. Ah, yes, there it is, isn't it? It's not what you think. Well, of course it is. You're crying, and that's the way it should be. I'm not crying. I don't cry. Not the orphanage, and not since the orphanage. I didn't cry. Not ever. And here I was, crying. It's all right to cry, said. I cry each day. My soul weeps. It means you're seeing something as it is, and it's meant to be seen, doesn't it? Oh, yes, crying is the thing to do. He smiled. As long as you keep on drawing, know the line. Always that. Know the line. And I kept drawing and only dripped a little on the paper. And when I finished, I looked and saw that Mick was standing in front of a plain white stone, a rectangle, small and straight, with no decoration. I went to it, and it read, Clell Miller, born September 8, 1843, died 27 November, 1862, infantry. Was he a soldier? Mick nodded. Civil War. Killed in battle? Maybe. Probably not. Most of them died of disease. Four to one. Four soldiers in the Civil War died of dysentery, the black squirts, they called it, for every one that died of battle wounds. So he probably died that way. He sighed. Heroes all, weren't they? All of them heroes. They were four, you know. Four what? Four men from the Bolton area to die in the Civil War. One more in the Spanish-American War, seven in the First World War, three in the Second World War, one in Korea, and two in Vietnam. Eighteen, all told, to die in war, of one thing or another. Eighteen young men gone. How could you know that? He smiled. I could say I just know it, the way I knew the popsicle stick cross would be under the bush. But the truth is I looked it up. Military records. When the fair Mrs. Langdon wrote to me, I con contacted a clerk in the Army and asked him to check the records. It's all in St. Louis, you know, all the Army records. Eighteen dead, and they won a monument. He looked from the graveyard to the town. I'll wager there aren't two people in town who know how many have been killed or that there's a hero here. A hero? Congressional Medal of Honor winner. A true hero. Who? Mr. Jennings. I drew his dog, didn't I? I saw the name on the mailbox. That must have been him. He was a hero in the First World War. God, he must be close to a hundred. I didn't know. I don't think anybody does. He shook his head. And he, we won't tell if he doesn't want it known, will we? What did he do? Killed some people. Killed a lot of them while they were trying to kill him, probably. That's how these things usually go. Although some have won it for saving people's lives, medics in combat, I don't know. Just that he won a medal, and will let it be. Now you have to help me. How? I need a place where the men come to sit and talk, a gathering place for them. That's easy, I said. The grain elevator or the bar, which do you want? Both. But in the interest of sanity and caution, perhaps we might try the elevator first. Drinking establishments have a way of affecting me.